Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter Podcast. I am your host, Tony Heil, the Director of Communication and Public Policy here at the ALS Association Greater Philadelphia Chapter. That is a mouthful to say, but we will have a lot to say in today's podcast with our host from the National ALS Association, uh, Allison Lardner, who's here to talk about her work, um, especially considering the walk to defeat ALS and how that works throughout the country to support patient care and research to end ALS. Uh, as always, you can get involved locally here at the chapter um, by donating, advocating, volunteering at www.alsphiladelphia.org. And since this is a national topic, you can go to www.alsa.org to find a chapter near you and events happening all across the country. Uh, and, and I, of course, had to put in a plug for past podcasts because I am biased but think they're all awesome. And you can find those on iTunes at ALS Philadelphia. I'm sure you found this here. Or you can find them on our website at alsphiladelphia.org slash podcast. And you can search for us on every social media channel possible at ALS Philadelphia. So with all of that shameless self-promotion out of the way, I would like to welcome Allison Lardner here to our podcast. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. And uh, it's going to be a cool discussion talking about what the walks are like. Um, so, you know, just want to give a brief beginning. Um however brief you want it to be, and tell me a bit about how you came to be involved with the walks on the level you're at. Um, I imagine it didn't just start with you walking around one day and saying, hey, I like walking, maybe we should do more of that. <laughs> no, it didn't. Uh, as much as I do like walking, that's not how it started. Um, I actually, my grandpa was diagnosed with ALS in 2005. Um, his journey was really similar to a lot of the patients and families I've met since then. Um, he had been tested for every disease uh, imaginable, um, and everything was coming up negative, and ALS was kind of the last resort. He had definitely been showing symptoms um, for about a year prior. He was finally diagnosed in 2005. The progression was pretty quick from then on, and we lost him in 2006. Um, and as soon as he was diagnosed, my family, I'm from Connecticut originally, so you know we did a Google search. I had no idea what ALS was at the time. Um, I'm the oldest granddaughter, so I jumped in and took the lead as much as I could and tried to find out as much as I could, and I found the ALS Association Connecticut chapter, and my family started doing the New Haven Walk. Um, so this will be our 10th year walking in New Haven, Big Eyes Bunch is our team name. Um, so I was working for another nonprofit at the time, and I attended my first walk and saw the walk coordinator at the Connecticut chapter and set my sights on her job. <laughs> Um, from that day and tried to figure out how I could get my foot in the door of the association. Um, I was living in New York City um, shortly after that, and they had an opening at their chapter, and I wrote a letter to the executive director, and I was super lucky and fortunate. Um, so I joined their chapter in 2008, and I was the director of their walk program for um, about four years, and I joined the national staff um, in 2012, and now I'm the associate director of the national walk program. Wow, and then and now you're here on a podcast. So it's that's a pretty quick progression. Yeah, it it was really quick. Um, but like I said, he was showing a lot of signs. He had limb onset. Um, so for your listeners, there's limb onset and there's bulbar, and limb obviously starts in the limbs, and then bulbar starts kind of in the vocal cord area. Um, so he lost it in his arms and his feet. Um, the swallowing and the breathing was the last thing to go. So we were really fortunate that he did have his voice and his breathing and his swallowing for um, really 
so he was in a power chair and he lost a lot of the mobility, but he was able to, we could understand him still fairly well, even up until the end, which I feel really lucky for that. Yeah, um, your story, I, I meant the progression was quick for you more than your grandfather there. I didn't mean to oh, yeah. be flipping. <laughs> and for me too, sure. Um, but my uh, my story is kind of similar in that my grandfather was also diagnosed in 2005 and had symptoms for about a year beforehand, and he passed away in 2007, so um, some similarities there in terms of time frame, though yours obviously was a little bit quicker. Mm, yeah. So... Um, you were obviously very energized by that first walk. What what made the walk to defeat ALS special? It's obviously your connection to the disease, but there must have been more to it than just caring about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the New Haven walk is really similar. Now that I've been to so many walks around the country, it, it's really similar to a lot of the walk sites. Um, it's at a public park. It, there's a lot of green space. The New Haven walk is actually really close to the ocean and has a beautiful view. It's a type of place that makes you want to hang out after the walk, so you get there early, you, you do your three miles, and one of my grandpa's favorite things was always a family picnic, so we really make a huge family day out of it. Like I said, I'm the oldest of a lot of cousins, so everybody comes home from college, from, you know, everybody that's out of state comes home, and we really make a whole weekend out of getting together and celebrating his memory and celebrating all the great reasons we like to be together, and we bring tons of subs and food, and we kind of just hang out. We're always the last to leave the park. Um, so it's really just for us, it's an awesome day to celebrate and we have our team t-shirts and we have a bunch of pictures of him on, uh, on signs, you know, on paint sticks. And, um, it's really just an awesome day for us to be together. So, um, and it was always that way for us. So, uh, and I, I don't think our family is alone in that. So it's really, it's really just a great day for us to kind of, you know, celebrate. It's not a great club to be a part of, uh, when you lose someone for ALS, but once you're in, you're in for life and you know, you're part of this larger family and this larger community. Um, and it's a really, it's an amazing experience to be part of. So how much of the walks, both in Connecticut and now you're doing this on a higher level, um, how much of it is about that experience as much as the money raised for it? Because I, I see that a lot in our walks that it's the community aspect. It's the camaraderie between teams and everything like that, getting family together. Yeah, I, I think that is honestly the, the best part of it is really just um, for patients who uh, who are going through their journey right now, I can't tell you how many times a patient comes to a walk, um, maybe at the last minute or maybe just to kind of check things out. And my phone used to ring off the hook when I was at the chapter in those days following to just say, I had no idea how big it was going to be. I had no idea how many people would be there. Next year, we're coming back bigger and better. And people just, the experience of really, you know, it could be such an isolating disease and um, I guess it's kind of an orphan disease. I'm making air quotes here that, um, or at least, you know, prior to Ice Bucket, not a lot of people maybe had heard of it. So you feel maybe like, you know, nobody knows what this is or I'm, I'm in this by myself. And then you pull up on walking, you see hundreds of people that know exactly what you're going through, that are part of the journey with you. And it can, it can really take that feeling of isolation away and make you feel like you're part of something larger. Um, and I think for a lot of patients and families, that that's really what brings them back to walk every day, uh, every year. Um, it's just that feeling of kind of being back with friends and family and not being alone. Yeah, and I think even with the Ice Bucket Challenge last year, and we're all very excited about that, there's a lot of people um, that are getting involved for the first time because, mm -hmm. pun intended, it's cool but they still don't know a lot about what ALS is and the specifics of the disease and how it affects a family. Um, 
you think the walk helps educate them? I think so. Um, I think the I think you know the ice bucket challenge. The money we raised aside, the amount of awareness that came out of last summer has been incredible. I mean, I can't tell you. I went to um, a fundraising professionals event uh, last December, shortly after Ice Bucket, and I had my ALS name tag on, and it's the first time in the eight years I've been with the association that I didn't have to say what ALS was. People were coming up to me and saying, you're from the ALS Association? Oh, what a great year you guys have had, and really being excited with me, and um, that's been amazing. You know, previously I used to have to say, you know, Lou Gehrig's disease, and really explain what it's like, and not being able, uh, not having to do that anymore, and really having that recognition, and having people kind of understand at least the name recognition. Um, and I think a lot of that, you know, I think the association, and not just our association, but the whole ALS community has really come together um, to promote that awareness and to really share with people what the disease is like and put some of the faces and stories um, to the disease and to help people kind of understand exactly what happens and how devastating it can be for a family um, and how important it is, you know, to have the funds raised and the awareness to, to go with that as well. Yeah, so... Um... You're going to places now, and at this point in our discussion, I think we can talk about the walk as a thing, and not just, yeah. um, you know, how great we are. Um, yeah, maybe my favorite story. thing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, uh, the Ice Bucket Challenge really opened doors, and part of your job is to bring awareness to the walk to sponsors, and make sure the walk goes off well, you know, locally, logistically, so that staff and volunteers know what it's up. Um, do you, now with more people wanting to become sponsors, um, and us wanting them to invest in the walk, um, how much of it is them investing in the cause as opposed to just get your name there? Yeah, I think I've been actually really pleasantly surprised with the conversations that I've had with sponsors and, and that my colleagues at the national office have had. Sponsors have had such a great experience coming out to walk day, um, that, you know, it's, I find that it's less even about the benefits that they're getting in their sponsorship and more about um, the team building and the community aspect that their um, employees get when they come out to walk and to really feel like they're making a difference in their community. I, I went to several walks last fall and um, I was in the food tent and I was in the t-shirt tent and how many participants would come up to different employees and say, thank you so much, we're so glad you're here, thanks for all you do. And you could tell that, you know, for employees and, and people who don't do this type of thing regularly, that made such a difference for them. And, and people were having such great experiences um, coming out to walk events and meeting people in the community that I think I think that experience itself is really what's been keeping that conversation going with sponsors for the last 10 months or so and bringing them back again this year. Yeah, and so in my experience here and from our staff perspective, um, those businesses they want more than just their name on a shirt. They really, they're, yeah. they're, they're run by human beings and mm -hmm. they, they want this to, um, they want to have a personal impact and a personal relationship to the cause. Exactly. Um, and so I think coming out to walk day and being able to meet some of those patients and families and chapters try to do a really good job of, um, getting patients and um, family members and constituents involved in thanking sponsors as well and really helping sponsors um, understand where their money is going and the impact that they've been able to make. So really being able to quantify, you know, transportation that was provided or equipment that was loaned out or any of those types of things that really happened specifically because 
because of this foster partnership, um, I think they really appreciate knowing, you know, that they had such a huge direct impact on people right in their community. And that really goes a long way for, for businesses. Yeah, so how much of it is quantifying in terms of giving them statistics, like on a spreadsheet, um, which is fine, and saying, you know, you, your team raised $10,000, your corporation um, raised $20,000 for the walk, and that bought X amount of hours of care or X amount of um, mm -hmm. research dollars. How much of it is quantifying in terms of what dollar for dollar they're getting um, in terms of their buying? Um, versus qualifying and saying, um, because you did, you gave $5,000, Heather and people like her are doing this, and this is the life she's leading. Um, I would say it's probably a little bit of both, um, or a lot of both, actually. Um, I think chapters, Good. you know, things are different on a local level, so I think chapters really do try to quantify, um, you know, any type of, uh, programs that they were able to implement because of those dollars. Um, a lot of chapters come back with, um, you know, exact, really specifics on exactly what those dollars were doing, but a lot of people, um, too, just want those names and faces. So um, some chapters will do, like, you know, they'll ask some of their participants to write thank you notes or to, you know, reach out to sponsors to join them at sponsor meetings to say, you know, we, we didn't have a transportation program last year and now we do because of the $10,000 that you were able to give to us. Um, so we, we do try to involve those stories um, as directly as we can. So, um, so people want to get more involved with the cause than just the shirt. What kind of um, promotions are people looking for in terms of business? Like, um, I think years ago, being on the banner is what was most important. Um, mm -hmm. But they really want to have a connection now, yeah. I think. And so that when you go there, like... Um, Bayada obviously is a top sponsor of the walk, yeah. national sponsor. They don't want to just be known as, oh, they have their sign at the banner. They want people to say, oh, they're the ALS sponsor and look how invested they are. Like, yeah. What, what does um, that mean? Yeah, I think signage. Um, signage is one thing. I think the t shirt, you know, having your logo on the t shirt. Um, and having a presence on walk day, a lot of sponsors, you know, to your point, really want that association with the organization. And so having some kind of tent or booth at the walk event to be able to really directly interact with the participants um, is something a lot of sponsors are really interested in. The other thing that we've been seeing, um, and you're, you know, the Philadelphia chapter is a great example of this, is really the social media presence. Um, all of our social media sites saw huge um, huge jumps in the number of followers, um, both on a local chapter level and a national level. Last year, Ice Bucket obviously was such a huge social media phenomenon that a lot of sponsors now know that ALS Association has all these followers and that there's really shareable content happening there. And so a lot of sponsors are really looking for the interactions on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, and so we've really been trying to build up um, all of our content on all the social media platforms to be able to sell that to sponsors as something that's um, really interesting for them, but also for, for their customers. Um, everybody's using social media these days, so anything where we can get them um, out in front of the community that way and having some images and shareable content and hashtags and all of that stuff to drive traffic to their website is really important as well. So I think that charity giving and corporate giving is so much different than it was... 15 years ago, though I wasn't involved in it then, and I don't know that you were, um, and that 
now so much is about brand identity and um, philanthropy and yeah. is really the future of marketing and brand identity now because, like you said, with social media, you can connect on a real level and that's, you know, suddenly um, you're worth sharing that we're with Biata or with um, Venture Construction Group and now they have an identity with us that's tied in. And uh -huh. that's a benefit that they couldn't really get a while ago. Uh -huh. So it's even more beneficial to be partnering with a good charity than it was um, sometime in the past. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the ALS community, in terms of their online presence, is, is really unique in, in just the way the disease uh, occurs in, in people. Is that, you know, a lot of times they do lose their ability to speak, and so they have a really strong online presence. And so, you, you know, companies know that, that the interactions they're getting through social media with the ALS Association are really genuine um, because the way that our constituents use it to communicate with each other and to communicate with their, um, with their clinics, with their caregivers. Um, a lot of times they rely entirely on, on some kind of online presence. And I think that's, that's really important when you're talking to sponsors too, is just knowing how, how much our our constituents and their customers are going to interact with them online. Yeah, that's a really good point that I think it's missed um, because we think about giving generally. But yeah, the people who are um, our patients, who we like a lot, love a lot, they are online and using the internet more and more because that's what ALS does to them. Mm -hmm. I'm friends with people with ALS um, on, on Facebook and I'll know when my friend Rhoda is online because suddenly I see... 20 updates on Facebook. She just liked this, like this, like this, like like liked exactly. everything that was posted that day. Yep, exactly. So you know um, you're not that's just great getting... because you know as much as they get that sense of community at a walk event, for instance, there's also such a strong sense of community online with patients who who are so comfortable with with that communication platform. So it's really it's great for them on so many levels. Now speaking of being online, though, that does bring in the point that people who are getting involved really need to be authentic. You, need, you can't be fake in your giving um, as a sponsor or as an individual. And I think last year's Ice Bucket Challenge, there were a lot of people who, the people love to criticize online. They said, oh, people are just doing it and not giving, or they're giving just to shut people up. But those companies and individuals that can break out by showing how committed they are they uh -huh. they end up getting much more benefit out of it, and it can be a detriment to them if they seem phony. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly think that any of our sponsors or anybody that comes to our walks, especially, you know, if they participated last fall, I, I went to so many walks last fall, and I had to park. I've never parked further away. I've never waited in longer lines. We were running out of stuff, and... I will tell you, not a single person cared. Everyone was smiling. Everyone just really felt like it, this is it's happening for our organization and for their loved one. And people who had lost a loved one several years ago, people who maybe had walked several years ago and then for whatever reason hadn't walked in a while, came back last year because there's this true sense of hope now, again, with the money that came in through Ice Bucket and the research that we're investing in. And whether people dumped that bucket of ice on their heads or not, there's really this sense now that, that change can happen. And so for sponsors, I will tell you, it was a tangible feeling at the walk events last year. And I think for anybody that came, uh, and if they came in the spring and, again, this fall too, that that sense of hope is palpable. Um, and so 
sponsor everybody, you know, be part of it. It's a really, really exciting time. And I think sponsors feel that, participants feel that, certainly we staff feel that. Um, so, I mean, really, there's never been a better time. It's so exciting. Yeah, and, and, you know, speaking of the authenticity point, the walk is a great place to be authentic because mm-hmm. you're interacting with human beings. People are going to tell if you're just standing around. And, and really, I haven't been to a walk yet, and I've been to now, I don't know, more than a few dozen, I guess, which seems like mm-hmm. a lot. Um, when I see sponsors like, uh, like Biata, and I, they're the ones I can easily remember, um, and, or ShopRite that just, um, here at the ocean, for Ocean City Walk, they just did a big thing where they raised $66,000 through their stores. I know, it's insane. That's amazing. Um, so big shout out to Village ShopRite for doing that at their stores. And they use social media, not so much during their campaign because it was at their stores, but they posted pictures proud of what they did. And you can tell that Village ShopRite wasn't doing it just to get, like, a news story. Yeah. Like, they they come to the walk, they're wearing the shirts, they're showing off the shoes they're selling. Like, some, like now I want to shop there because I know the commu- the culture they have is helping others from the top absolutely. of the bottom. No, you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, personally, I that always affects the places that I shop to is knowing that somebody is really philanthropic and really genuine in the way that they think about the community and the way that they partner and invest back in their local community. Um, and I think, you know, organizations do such a great job live tweeting at walks, live posting at walks, um, inviting people to participate. If, you know, a lot of chapters have great media partnerships as well, so they'll have DJs or radio stations live broadcasting and inviting people on the radio to come down. So there's tons of ways to really capitalize on the excitement of the walk event itself. So, I, like I just mentioned Village ShopRite for what they did. Do you take those examples of what's worked for a sponsor and then send them out to national or local sponsors and say, look, not only did we provide a benefit to it, like by putting you on your our messaging and whatnot, but this is how this sponsor took their sponsorship to the next level and what's possible for you. And like to share those examples around and help others to become even better at what they're doing with their giving. Yeah, absolutely. We have 39 chapters around the country and we have an entire team at National that supports the WALK program. We also have a director of corporate partnerships at the national level, so we work really closely together to um, talk with chapters, understand what kind of benefits are being offered, what really cool new ways of benefit offerings are happening, and try to share that. Um, You know, we have our annual leadership conference, we have regional and local um, conversations with chapters where we can share some of those things too. So we try... Um, we try pretty consistently to be able to be in communication with what's happening on a local level and share that um, across the board. We have 184 walks around the country, so there's tons of really cool, great, creative, different stuff that's happening that we try to share amongst the chapter network. Well, speaking of what you're trying to share, um, you also are trying to make things consistent, right? Like, um, you, you know that if I go to the walk here at our chapter at Hershey Medical Center, and then um, my family's in Pittsburgh. So if I went to the Pittsburgh walk, there would obviously be things that are different, but there's also a lot that stays the same. Um, What's important about making sure that things stay consistent, uh, and what needs to stay consistent for it to be a walk? 
Yeah, so right now the walk is our only national signature event at the organization. So what that means is that all 39 chapters are, are executing at least one walk. Um, most chapters have several. Um, and so we really just want to, your, you know, to your point, we want you to feel like if you're in Philly, if you're in Connecticut, if you're in L.A., New York, Texas, if you attend a walk to defeat ALS, it, it feels the same. And so the branding is the same. You know, we use the same logo signage, um, materials. We have a lot of marketing materials that we create on a national level and share out to the chapter network, um, including posters, brochures, save the date cards, counter cards with tear-offs. Um, there's all sorts of things that we create at a national level and share with chapters so that, um, that, you know, that walk recognition, that brand recognition happens across the country. Um, and certainly the, the element of the experiences as well. We want the walk to feel really celebratory. We want to be really appreciative at our walk events. It's really meant to be a celebration of our loved ones, both living and past with ALS, um, and a celebration of all of every, you know, people fundraise. It's an entirely fundraising-based event. There's no registration fee. So people work really hard to fund the mission of ALS Association, and we want to make sure when you come to that walk, you know how grateful we are for all the work that you put in, and we really want to celebrate and appreciate the work of all 160,000 walkers across the country. Um, everybody works really hard to further the work that we're doing, and we're really grateful. Uh, so one thing you did mention there that stuck out to me is that there's no registration fee, um, and some people often come to us, and it's their first time going to a walk, or everyone's always got their idea how to make everything better. Um which isn't always going to make things better, but they say, you know, you know, if you had a registration fee, more people would, you would raise uh, more money because that person didn't raise anything or only raised $5. Um, but we've been pretty consistent about saying there's a reason yeah. why. Ex yeah. Explain that, that for us. Yeah. You know, we've done, we've talked about that, um, at great length at the national office. We've gone back and forth. We've done a ton of industry research about it and, there's really no correlation between registration fees and increased fundraising, increased revenue raised. Um, and the bottom line is we really want our event to be all-inclusive. We really want to make sure that everybody feels welcome, that everybody feels like they can participate in the event. Um, all of our walks around the country have um, flat, paved, um, handicap accessible walk routes and we want to make sure that the patient is always at the forefront of our mind when you attend a walk. We never want anybody to say it's too hilly, it's too bumpy for my wheelchair um, and the registration fee plays to that too. We never want any loved one, patient, family member, or sponsor, anybody to, to feel like they're limited in what they can do to come. Um, and there's honestly, there's no correlation between registration fees and fundraising. So um, we don't like to charge money at the walk event either. We don't like to sell food or sell goods. We really, like I said, want it to feel like it's a celebration and um, a thank you for all the hard work that's been going on. And, and I think that goes along with our greater mission um, and um, beliefs at the chapter in terms of the disease um, because we want to make sure that people with ALS can do anything and so that they don't have to live with any more limits than they already have. And Exactly. The walk kind of encapsulates what the whole association's about. Yep, exactly. Um, and that's why, too, you know, at every walk you'll find an, an ALS association tent. Our mission is threefold with um, public policy and advocacy, with care services, and with research. And so all three of those pillars, I'll call them, are really, um, you know, they don't operate in silos. Every All three parts of our mission are really 
closely intertwined. Um, and the funds raised at the Walk fund all three parts of the mission. And so you'll be able to find information about everything we do at a walk or on the website or in talking with the staff. Um, we want you to feel like we are really um, all invested in every, all the work that we do um, to serve the whole family. Yeah, I, for our walks, um, we do end up talking about all of our mission in some way. We, we've had lawmakers at our walks. I, th I know we've had them. We've had them at walks across the country. Um, we've had uh, obviously our caregivers because a couple of our walks are associated with a clinic in some way, um, and with researchers because a you know, few of our clinics are, have researchers there, and they've come to the walks and, and either spoken to people or just been a part of it because they know they're benefiting in the end. Um, now, most of our, a lot of our walks are in some way tied to a ALS clinic, right? A lot of them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we really, you know, we want to make sure that, especially on that chapter level, that we, everybody feels really comfortable that so some of the money is going to research and that's done at a national level. A lot of those funds are being filtered right back into the community and into your local clinics um, and ALS certified centers. And we're really fortunate at the ALS Association in the work that our centers do in that we have that multidisciplinary approach in the way that we serve our patients. So when they go to a clinic visit, they see a neurologist, a speech pathologist, an occupational therapist, a physical therapist, a social worker, a nutritionist. Everybody sees them in that one visit. And so it's great for the patient that they get kind of this one-stop shopping um, but it's great for the team, too, and that they can really take a collaborative approach to the way that they are treating that patient and to really understanding what's best for them. Where are they in their journey? What's happening with them on a personal level? And they can really take that team approach to, to the way that they treat. And that's something really unique to the ALS Association. Um, and we want to make sure that, you know, we can filter those block funds and the funds raised at the chapter right back into your, your local clinic. And... Um, you know, that goes back to what sponsors get, because if you're a sponsor and you come to a walk, then you get to see your services demonstrated in terms of the kind of people that are there. Um, you know, if you go, our Hershey Walks to Feed ALS is at Hershey Medical Center. So if you come, you're like, well, this is where they get care. Like, I know directly, I can see firsthand that my dollar is going so that someone can come here. And yeah. you know, I don't know that you can get that with other kind of charity walks because you know a lot of charities don't have that kind of facility anyway yeah and that you're right i mean that's something really great about our walk too is that um the walks are really the entire chapter participates and so when you pull up to a walk event you'll see the fundraising staff the development team you'll see the executive director you'll see the clinic staff and the social workers and um everybody really comes out to make sure that they're saying hi to the you know we get really close to our patients and families and we go on this journey with them and we really um it's an emotional you know we get really attached emotionally and so it's great for us to use that day as really an opportunity to catch up with old friends to meet new friends um and to make sure that everybody really um you know everybody's really in it together so um the walks are very similar throughout the country um in okay. terms of they're, they're, none of them are 10 mile walks. They're, they nope. are. Um, nope. They're, All three miles or less. They're fun walks. They're at flat places. They have certain booths. Um, this Are there new changes in 2015? Um, there are a few new changes coming. Um, one yep. of the things we're working on right now is having um, a mission moment element to our walk program. So we're looking at kind of similar to the way the Alzheimer's Association has their promise garden and White the Night has their luminaries. We're looking at finding a way that we can 
really pay tribute to our loved ones um, in a way that's consistent across the country. Every chapter is doing really amazing things in the way that they pay tribute to loved ones, but we'd really like that to, to be something that we brand across the board, and so we're hoping to roll that out um, a little bit in fall. We're hoping to pilot it in fall and then roll it out um, we'll see the head for spring next year. Um, yeah, we had the memory really tents. We had a memory tent at a couple walks this spring where people put up pictures of loved ones who passed away. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a, an emotional day, not just for the families, but for the staff. And seeing all those pe- pictures of people a lot of us have known, um, you know, I saw staff that I usually pretty stone faced that were getting very emotional seeing those uh, um, pictures up. Yeah, and the one you guys did at your chapter was awesome. Um, the, uh, at your spring walks, it was a really interactive tent. So, you know, some communications went out ahead of time to invite people to bring patients, uh, pictures of their patients and people that they're walking in honor of and even, like, poems and letters and really sharing some of their really personal thoughts. Um, and that tent was amazing. I saw a lot of photos, um, and it really looked like a, an incredible experience for your participants. Yeah, it's... Uh was uplifting to me to see how many people not only did share, but were really eager to share about their loved ones. Because people, yeah. they don't want to forget. They don't. They want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard thing to watch, you know, and it's hard for people after they lose their loved ones. Sometimes it can be hard to come back. And so having some, um, some place where you can really pay tribute or pay honor to why you do this and why you're coming back every year um, is really important to keep the memories alive for the people that we serve. Um, so I, I think it's great. Chapters are doing really cool stuff. A lot of chapters do something similar to what you guys do, something really interactive like that. Um, so we're really hoping that we'll be able to find something that uh, is really special for our walk program as a whole. Now, do you know how, um, on average, not specifically if you don't know, but um, are a lot of the walkers that come back at the, at, at, I'm sorry, at a walk, are most people return walkers or are there a substantial amount of new walkers and walk teams? Yeah, and surprisingly, there's a substantial amount of new walkers every year. Um, chapters work really closely with their clinic staff and with um, their care, the team, you know, that serves the care services at their chapters um, to always be, you know, inviting patients and families to the walk events every year and um, unfortunately, the, there's so many people diagnosed every year that there are always a lot of new people coming uh, to the walk events. Um, and there's always about probably between 30 and 40% returning teams, too. Um, you know, the nature of the disease is that that can be a really difficult, um, it can be a really difficult thing to watch your loved one experience, what ALS does. And so sometimes it can be really hard. You need a year off, maybe. Um, but we just always want people to know that they're, they're part of this forever, and whenever you're ready to come back, we would love to have you. So um, sometimes that can be hard that first year, and sometimes people come back bigger and better than ever, and they're in it for the long haul. So you just never know um, what happens when you actually experience it. And that's why it's important on the walk team level, both on the volunteer side and the staff side, to make sure that the walk to defeat ALS isn't a one-day thing of the year. It's maintaining those relationships all year round so people don't feel like they're dropped off or that they know that they're still part of the whole community. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we never, you know, we never want people to feel like they have to fall off the grid after um, their loved one has passed away or they're not welcome back. We always want people to be coming back, and whether that's to the walk or whether that's just to be in touch with chapter staff, your services staff, um, there's always resources available um, no matter where you are um, in the progression of the disease. Now, on the flip side, 
Do we have a lot of sponsors that continue to come back and back and back each time because of their experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now this, you know, this year in particular, we've got a ton of new new sponsors at the table too. So um, we're really lucky. We have, you know, you mentioned Bayada. Um, we've got New Motion and Quantum. We've got some really great national partners um, that come back to the walks now for the last several years, um, as well as a lot of new people coming on board this year as well. So we're really excited to see what kind of happens. The bulk of the walks happen in fall, so we're amping up for the big fall season. Um, so it should be really, it should be really exciting these next several months. And the consistency we've talked about amongst chapters and amongst over years, but not all walks are the same too. Um, what are some, have you seen some really cool, unique things that have happened at different chapters? I mean, I, I know I love to brag about us, but I'm some sure things. You guys, I mean, the greater Philadelphia walk and the partnership you guys have with the Phillies definitely one of the coolest things that I've seen. Um, that's always an amazing event. You know, the New York City Walk happens right in the heart of Manhattan on the East River, um, and that's always really cool. You can see the skyline um, and the New York yellow taxi boats coming up and down, so that walk's always really cool. Um, the L.A. Walk last year had Renee Zellweger cut the ribbon at the start line, so that one was amazing. Um, but a lot of chapters have really great relationships with their major league baseball teams, and so the partnership there with the ballparks is always really cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of chapters do really different, exciting things, um, different parts of the country, and um, there's never, you know, there's never a dull moment as far as the walks are concerned, that's for sure. And the walks obviously can't be the same in terms of size, and I think sometimes, you know, even we have seven walks, and I imagine some people that are in some of our smaller markets here, even at our chapter, look at our Greater Philly Walk, which has raised the last few years over seven or fifty thousand dollars. At each, you know, they go, well, I can't compete with that. But you at National make sure that you know, you no one. While we love everyone to raise a million dollars at each walk, um, you don't have to. Like, there's expectations in terms of where they are and what team and everything like that, right? Exactly. So to to be an official walk to defeat ALS, um, $25,000. The walks range anywhere from $25,000 to, um, you know, your Greater Philadelphia Walk at seven fifty. the Long Island Walk. Um, you know, Greater New York Chapter is the largest walk in the country. That one hit a million dollars last year for the very first time. Um, but there's tons of even smaller walks, ten, fifteen, even $5,000 all across the country, and we call those um, walk-in-a-box events. And those are more community-driven events, so... Uh, you know, there'll be an area that has a really excited local volunteer group or a family that really wants to start a walk in their own area, and maybe there's not one, you know, the, the nearest one is a couple of hours away, and so they kind of take the initiative themselves to set up their own community event called a Walk in a Box, and they can set the goal however they like and partner with the chapter um, in different ways to bring some elements of the walk into that, um, and a lot of those actually grow to be $25,000 or more and become official walks. Um, you know, a couple years in, but there's smaller walks happening all across the country. Um, so it really is a huge range um, in revenue and number of participants and walk sites, um, which is really, you know, it's really cool. There's different parts of the country and different things work, and it's really exciting. Yeah, so you get to see some places that grow and um, that started out at one level and then for whatever reason um, explode and become really big events, maybe because they're attached to a um, demographic group or they have a really strong organizer or 
celebrity that's in that area, um, baseball uh-huh. team. Like, there's all sorts of reasons why a walk can just take off that it's hard to measure until it happens. Exactly. Um, and, you know, your point earlier about having walks in your clinics and your support groups is always something that really helps the walk be successful and sustainable for the long term. Tons of chapters have um, support groups that have their own walk team just unto itself. And so people get really close and support support group and instead of making, you know, 10 different family teams, they come out in full force just as, you know, XYZ support group. And that's always awesome to see. And those walks are um, special, you know, just because of the bond that, that those families have in support group. Um, and so partnering with clinics and being in, in the backyard of your clinics or your support groups is always really exciting too. Which is why, again, like we said, the walk shouldn't be compartmentalized into one thing. Like that's a fundraising yeah. event. But really everything that happens at a chapter um, needs to be a holistic approach because the walk is at a, involved with a clinic in some way. Um, with the caregivers, you need to be able to show back and forth of the money goes. And you're building those relationships at support groups. And everything works um, together as one cohesive plan. Yes, you're absolutely right. Exactly right. So, um, and, and then those other smaller markets in other towns, like, you know, you're, you're measuring, so you're saying, you know, if you're in Wyoming, you know, let's compare it to places that are like Wyoming, um, not, um, not Philadelphia, because that's not fair. And make sure that everyone can feel the raw, raw effect to know, um, yeah, we're making a big difference, and that can be demonstrated locally and nationally. Exactly. When we set up a walk site, um, or think about setting up a walk site, we do a ton of analysis about the community and um, the buying power of a community, and, and what's reasonable, and how you know what the population of that area is, and so we can be really realistic about you know what we're trying to raise and where that money is going to go, and how much money will have a real impact on those patients and families, and you know we set those revenue goals to be in line with the region where the walk is, and so absolutely whatever's happening in some smaller cities wouldn't, you know, wouldn't necessarily be in line with what's happening in Philadelphia, um, but it would certainly make a huge difference for the patients and families in those areas. And, you know, you mentioned walk site, um, but there's another site that matters, and that's the online component, and Mm. um, the walk is so much an online thing now. What percentage of people are giving online versus do we really even see a lot of cash anymore, or does it depend place by place? Um, it has dwindled, definitely, um, by 5 to 10% over the last few years. So now we're seeing the majority of our money coming in online. Um, there's still a good chunk nationally, probably like 30 to 40%, that comes in, um, off, we'll call it offline, so cash and checks, and people still, some people like to save their donations and bring them on walk day and turn them in at the registration tent. Um, but we're definitely seeing, you know, 60-plus percent of the revenue coming in online. Um, and also through social media. We've got a walk app now that you can get in the iTunes store that's available for Androids and iPhones. And we've got an application called Downless Fundraising, which links your walk website directly to your Facebook page. And that is that has been incredible for us. Oh, more than 10% of our walk revenues last year came in through both the walk app and Facebook. Um, and so, you know, we were talking earlier about that social media component, but it's such an easy way for our participants to fundraise, and especially people who maybe aren't comfortable making that direct ask to be able to use the Walk app or the Facebook page to do it in kind of a softer way has been hugely helpful for participants to kind of um, branch out. And even people who are comfortable raising online just to be able to add one more element to the way that they like to reach out to people and 
you'd be surprised how many people you haven't seen since elementary school are making donations to people's walk pages. So that part has been really cool and exciting in the last few years to be able to really incorporate social media into the walk online presence. Yeah, and with the way people act online, anytime I think about someone I haven't seen in many years, now you mention it, I go now on our Facebook page and say, huh, I haven't seen John since we were kids. Oh, good, he did the Ice Bucket Challenge. His video's still up there. Yeah, um, I felt like that way during the Ice Bucket Challenge, too. People who, you know, friends of friends of friends were hosting their videos on my wall and tagging me in their videos just because they knew that I had the connection. And so people really were coming out of the woodwork, which was awesome. Um, so that's always, you know, the, the reach of social media never ceases to amaze me. It's really incredible. And the thing about online and social media is not just that it's cool, but we do want to make giving both uh, a good feeling of satisfaction and know you're doing a good thing, but also make it as easy as possible so that anyone can do it and that you can do it as often as you can. Exactly. And there's a ton of, you know, if you visit the WALK website, it's walk to the ALS.org. Um, that's that brings you to, you know, a lot of different walk sites. You can select your state. It links you to um, walks in your community. But once you sign up and log in, you can send emails. You can put a picture of your loved one. You can tell a story. You can, you know, kickstart your efforts by making a donation to yourself. You can link to Facebook. I mean, there's 101 ways through the walk website to be able to um, fundraise, tell your story, share your story. Um, so depending on what your it doesn't matter what your readiness is, how what your comfortable level is with it, with the internet and with the online tools. There's really something for everybody um, in terms of what's available on the Walk website. So we know that giving to the Walk to Defeat ALS is easier now than ever before. There's more tools than ever before. So you're telling people, you know, the Walk might be in a few days, a few weeks, a few months, but you have every reason in the world to sign up today. Absolutely. The the logo on the T-shirt this year says the time is now. And that has never been more true. The time is now, truly, <laughs> to sign up for the walk. All right. Well, the time is now for us to end this podcast then. Cause, um, <laughs> Perfect. And good segue. I know. I'm getting good at this. Um, <laughs> and so, um, But the time really is now for everyone to get involved in a walk to defeat ALS. Um, Allison's talked about a lot of the benefits you can get um, both as a participant, as a family member, and as a sponsor. Uh, so do it now, and I think, Allison, you'll agree that the next thing you can do after registering, if you want to make sure it's as uh, successful as possible, is to go out and just ask people because you never know what you'll get in terms of support. Absolutely. The number one people, the number one reason people don't give is because no one asks them. So the worst thing that could happen is they say no, right? So get out there, tell your story, share your story, ask people to support you. Um, you'd be surprised, I promise you. You never know. Great. So sign, go to www.walktodefeatals.org. You can find our seven walks at alsphiladelphia.org. Um, follow us on social media, as Allison said. Follow all sorts of great ideas at ALS Philadelphia. And then go out, register for a walk, and ask, 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 and get involved today. So uh, thank you for this uh, lengthy and important discussion, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I look forward to seeing all of you at a walk this fall, including a Greater Philadelphia Walk to Defeat ALS on November 1st and a few others this fall. So thank you.